In Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> we'll be reading there in a, in a few moments. I, I've been thinking about this Christmas season, and I, I could do series and all that, but I, I, I just thought about what should we really do in the next two or three weeks as we get to the time we celebrate the birth of Christ. I have several weeks this time, four weeks I believe, that uh, will lead us up to that. And so I'm going to start this morning with this theme. I want to talk about preparing, and I'll pull, we'll pull it up a little bit later. So let's just settle down like we would in our dad's living room, and let's talk about the coming season because it'll be gone before we turn around. How many of you know 18 years, 10, 20 years travels pretty swiftly today? So I want to look at Christmas today, and in a, in a I believe a very, a very scriptural and yet sober way. Every year we don't have to imagine Christmas gets busy. How many of you are plenty busy? Uh, well, the, the rest of you need to raise your hand or repent one. <laughs> I'm telling you, it gets busy, doesn't it? It gets busy. Also, it's typical in our world today where we say things like. And I like it. I think it's improper. It's, it's true. It needs to be said. Typical are, don't forget the real meaning of Christmas. And that's good. We say things like, Jesus is the reason for the season. And we use prose and poetry and rhyme. And I think it puts a message that needs to be heard. We take from the scripture, wise men still seek him. And it is true. How many of you are glad for a Christmas season? Yet... We are in a day where the true, genuine, and if you will, the genesis of Christmas perhaps is fading, at least in its deep meaning, rapidly. Um, no longer can we say in word and even on, on uh, our cards or in casual conversation or in, in this season, we, it, there are those who don't want us to say Merry Christmas anymore. Because it has the word Christ in it. And they don't even want happy holidays because it has the word holy in it. But I thank God there is a Christ and He is holy and we celebrate His life. So now we must greet everybody with season's greetings. And that maybe that's good for our society. But it's not near as healthy as Christ. So Christmas becomes quickly just, if you will, a commercial celebration, can be for many a Christless Christian. And the Lord of it all, Jesus himself said, in the final days of the age, just before this age changes, the Christ predicted they will reject me, and those who believe in me, they will reject you. And I want you to know there's more persecution of followers of Christ today than any day in history. We just don't hear of it quite like we've read in history. Yet our lives, ladies and gentlemen, in 2019, in this Christmas season, you and I are supposed to be lights in an ever-darkening world. That's our assignment. So I want you to turn to someone and say, don't forget... God wants you to shine your light. Say that to somebody. God expects you to shine your light. This morning, instead of don't forget, and for believers, the reason for the season, as we package our gifts, as we decorate, 
the home and the house and we walk through decorated stores and as we wrap our packages, as we make our plans with our family. I want to encourage more than remember. I want us to prepare and I want us to start this morning. The spiritual side of your life, ladies and gentlemen, needs to be a priority every day. I want it, but, but in, in a Christmas season, I want us to prepare that spiritual part of our being. I want us to move beyond the hearing of the Word and let us get to the place where we are doing the Word. Luke chapter 2 gives us an insight on a scene that happened. An elderly prophet by the name of Simeon, one of my favorite characters in the Christmas story. To him, Joseph and Mary came, brought their newborn son on the eighth day, as was the custom for dedication, that they might present the Christ back to the Lord, dedicating his life to the purpose for which it was sent. That day, that day was a special day for this old prophet, this old priest, Simeon. He had waited for years. That day, Simeon, when Mary put that baby in his arms, was a finally arrives, and it's a pretty fine thing. Amen? I want to read that story, Luke chapter 2. If you want to follow me, I'm at 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So let me ask you something. Would you like to live with this concept like Simeon did? You will not see death until you behold the Christ himself. I think that was something to think about every day. And especially as he got older. How many of you would like to know the day you're going to die? Some of you would, some of you wouldn't. How many would like to know the day the Lord's going to come? Anybody? You know, that can work for us and against us. But here it was, promised, you will not taste death till you see this Christ. So he came by the Spirit to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus... To do for him according to the custom of the law, dedicate him. Verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. In the next following verses, you see Joseph and Mary's response overwhelmed at the statement of Simeon. I do not imagine that they knew that this man had lived in anticipation of the Christ. They probably had no idea it was such a moving time for Simeon. Mary and Joseph were overwhelmed with the response. But I wanted to share with you, Simeon had prepared for Christmas. And because he had prepared, he received this marvelous reward. All that he had believed for all these years came to fruition. 
For even centuries he had been promised and Simeon knew the word. God had promised he would send the Messiah. And for years Simeon believed it. And this day he received the promise from God. He said you will not see death before you have seen my Christ. And I want us to imagine year after year, month after month, day after day, this man believed the word of God. This man prepared his heart. And as a human being, as much as Simeon was, it makes me wonder if he probably didn't say in his mind many, many times, I wonder at the new year, will this be the year? And as he grew older, I wonder if he thought, will this be the year? Now we have a mindset that brings Christmas close to the end of our year. That was not so with the, with the Jewish calendar. I, pur- I purposely and purpose- I believe that in history, I believe Christ was probably born in April. If he wasn't in of our calendar, if not, then probably September. But in our concept, we think about the year ahead right after Christmas. I wonder if Simeon said, well, I wonder if it'll happen this year. And the blessing, when he arrived, Mary placed Messiah in the arms of this prophet. And I want you to notice this probably weakened, very elderly man. He was weakened in his body, weakened in his strength, but strong in his spirit. And he said, Lord, Christmas has arrived. This is what I have anticipated because of your promise for decades. And now, Lord, I can die a happy man. I can die in peace For I have seen him, and now I have held him. Lord, you have kept your promise. And I want you to know it's just my imagination. But I believe when Simeon laid down, I think he went home to be with the Lord with the sweetest kind of promise and peace you could ever imagine. So I have a question. If Simeon had not prepared, what would he have missed? And what about us? What would we miss, ladies and gentlemen, if during our life we don't believe and we don't anticipate and we live toward no promise that's absolute? Because in a world today that's teaching there are no absolute truths, I can tell you this book is absolutely true. And there are absolute truths. We're playing games. We're playing games with reality. How many of you know that common sense and reason have taken a flight from a lot of places in America? Pastor, why would you say something like that? Because that's true. And that's absolutely true. Thank you for that amen. What if Simeon, what would he missed? And what about us? What would we miss, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't believe that there's a Christmas coming? If we don't believe there's a Messiah coming? What are we going to miss? I wonder if we've become so busy and so distorted And so demanded and under such pressure that we've remembered yet we have failed to prepare. There's a difference in living and existing. A big difference. So I'm going to ask us the question and try to answer how did Simeon prepare himself for Christmas? First of all, verse 25 said it, this man was a devout man. 
Elebes is the Greek for the word devout. It means to take special care. It means to decide with determination to be circumspect. I will be serious about this. And that was a spiritual intimacy with God. I've said it many times. Nobody's going to accidentally stumble into heaven and say, wow, I'm glad I got here. How many of you know that if you get to heaven, it's going to be because you purpose to get there? And it's not only just one decision, it's because you will be obedient and follow the commands and the lifestyle that God depicts of a Christian as we traverse this terrestrial ball. Ladies and gentlemen, we not only have to believe it and accept it, we're required by Christ to live it. Devout, decided determination. Let me just tell you, in the four gospel writings, Luke was a physician, very educated. Of course, he was, had a lot, much bigger vocabulary. But he is the only New Testament writer that uses the word devout. And only Luke, and it's used to place emphasis upon the character of your life. A devout person. The birth of Christ... Ladies and gentlemen, was not just a physical event, it was a supernatural event. It was, the birth of Christ was a significant event that 4,000 plus years had heard about and longed for and it finally arrived. Can I tell you the death of Christ was a significant date. The resurrection of Christ was a significant event on planet earth. And I will tell you another one. In Acts 2 and 5, Luke speaks of a special significant event called the day of Pentecost. And there were devout Jews there, the scripture said in verse 5. Men and women who had taken definite, purposeful, determined steps, obedience, so that they knew not only about God, but they knew God intimately in their relationship with Him. There's a difference in saying, I'm a Christian and living it. There's a difference in saying, I'm a Christian and actually following in a relationship with the Lord. At Pentecost, the scripture says, a rushing mighty wind arrived. Cloven tongues of fire set upon them, and many of them, all of them, the 120, began to speak in another language that they did not know. And God, ladies and gentlemen, on that day, because of a promise, He visited a prepared people. Let me say it like this. That did not happen accidentally. It happened because God promised it. Somebody believed it. They stayed there until it happened. They were prepared, devout people. Luke, again, in Acts chapter 8, verse 2, says this about a, a man. A devout man, a, a devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great, made great lamentation over him. Here's Stephen, who preached a strong message. He did not mince words. And for it, he became so hated, they stoned him to death. And in those days, strong, there was strong persecution against the church. And Luke comes back, and re, let me repeat this verse. He said, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation 
over him. I have a question for us today, America. I have a question for Christians today across this planet. Would you walk up, pick up a dead body of someone who had just died, a Christian, for something that you believed when it could mean your life? That's what we mean when we say devout. Here's something that we need to ponder. If we are genuinely filled with all of God and He is the priority and He has to have number one place which He requires, then life takes on an entirely different pattern and a different meaning. Because words are cheap, ladies and gentlemen. Supply exceeds the demand. But I want to tell you, genuinely living it is a powerful thing. I started out earlier saying Christ said, you're to be a light in this world. So here's a Christian that has been murdered for what he believes. And there stands those who have murdered him. Would you be devout enough to go take his body? You couldn't do it without being determinedly devout. Listen, the more you put God in first place, the less there is for self. Listen, people who are devout to God, let me tell you a truth to remember. If you're devout to God, you are devoted to the people of God. We just sing about that we might love one another. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that if we are truly devout, we are exceptionally and especially to love the brother and the sister we know that are twice born. You know why? Because we have a dedicated enemy who will destroy us any way he possibly can. The scripture says especially to those of the household of faith. So I want to ask us a question. Saints, is our devotion deep enough that we would risk being identified with genuine followers of Christ today. Because I want to tell you, following Christ today, not just in religious purposes, but in relationship purposes, is being attacked in every way. Will you identify with Christ today? In this day. Simeon was prepared, had prepared his heart with great devotion toward God. God was number one. Number two... The scripture said he was a just man. The word devout, devotion, is an inward quality. The word just is an outward fruit of devotion or devoutness. This is the difference. Some will claim and profess to be Christians, but there's a difference in being devout, and if you're devout and you are just, you can see it in the fruitfulness of your life. Amen. Walking by faith, not by sight. That's in the Scripture. Walking, when it says the word walking, it means the manner of your living. Even let's go back to the Old Testament about Noah. It was said of Noah, he was a just man. And if you go all the way from Genesis, all the way to Revelation, in Revelation 3, 
We find out that in God's coming judgment, He said lukewarmness will be spewed out of His mouth. That means that nominal Christianity will not be acceptable to God. You know why? Let me hit us where we really live. Today we want just enough religion, just enough God to feel safe, but we don't want to get fanatical about it at all. You know what amazes me? And I've said this before. You can watch football games like last night, and people will go what we call bonkers publicly right out on in, in, in the grandstands, and they put it on television and show it across the world, and you let one church member get up and raise their hands and say, I'm not ashamed to glorify God, and they think we're fanatical. true. Well, I just don't like all that raising of hands in church. I don't know if you're going to enjoy heaven because the scripture says there'll be 30 minutes of silence and after that all heaven's going to break loose. There's going to be thousands, millions of people raise the voice of God. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And it's probably going to be, if that be the case to you, it's probably going to be fanatical. I love this. I'm going to tell it. Some of you already know it. When I was a young man, the golden bear won the green coat. If you remember, what do you call it? The U.S. Open? What? I don't know. What is it? The Masters. Yes, the Masters. But what was so amazing that when he finished the shot and got the golf ball, he just turned to the crowd and threw the thing out in, in a, probably a crowd of four, five, six, eight hundred people. I don't know what was out there. And what was amazing, it, it suddenly went from golf to football because there was this huge 80 people huddle out there. I mean, stacked on each other like sardines, you would say. And I love this. I went a bunch of goofballs hunting a golf ball. God gave us a sense of humor, and we might as well use it, hadn't we? Let's go. If we, ladies and gentlemen, if, if we threw a golf ball in this floor and everybody come up here and heaped on that, they, the world would look at us and say, you, you're out of it. And let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with getting excited about the truth of the eternity. I'm not ashamed to raise my hands. I'm not ashamed to say amen. Strange words like hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My master, my redeemer, my Lord, my Savior. Wow, here he was. Noah was a just man. If, if we were in Noah's day, I have a good question for you. If we were in Noah's day, which crowd would you be in? So let me ask it this way. Would you board the ark? Would you get on the ark? Would you get on the ark? Because only Noah and his family, only eight human beings got on the ark. You know why? Because of public opinion. You know why? Because of peer pressure. You know why? Because it wasn't cool. They didn't have a $150 pair of Nike tennis shoes on. I'm just playing with you, but do you understand the Bunch of fanatics? Look at this boat. You've got to be kidding. It's never rained before. Human reasoning will not put you on the ark. 
but a changed, twice-born spirit that looks not upon the things of men, but upon the things that are supernatural will change your life. You will become a just person, devout in heart, and it will change how you live. You'll board the ark. How many of you are on the ark today? How many of you are ashamed to be on the ark? No. Thank God for the ark. Amen. Simeon prepared for Christmas, the coming of Christ. Do you believe God would have laid his son in the arms of a prophet, of a man that was not a just man? I don't believe it at all. Mom and dads, how about changing Christmas a little this year? How about changing your, your house where it's a place where you put value on the gift of Christ rather than the value on how expensive it is or how beautiful it's wrapped or how popular it is, the latest toy, the latest thing? How about preparing their hearts to receive Christmas because He's coming a second time? How about letting your example... Shine as a gift to your children every day as how much you love Christ. My, my sisters and brothers-in-law and all my nieces and nephews yesterday were, we were in a church there. As I said, the church that my sister and her husband built and started years, 22 years ago. They have since retired, but we were allowed to use that building, and we all went in there, and here's a platform, and we set the couch up, as I told you, and here's all the musical instruments all the way around, and we were all enjoying the fun and the cutting up and the family stuff, all stuffed to the, to the hilt with chocolate cake <laughs> and all the meals. We were having fun doing all that. And I was sitting over there talking to one of my brothers-in-law, and I... I said, this is pretty fitting for us, isn't it? He said, how do you mean? And I said, well, we're taking a family picture in the sanctuary of the Lord on the pulpit where musical instruments all the way around. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our life for all of our lives. You know why? Because we came from a family that said God will always be first. God will always be the priority of our home. When I was a young person, you had a two-week revival. We lived 15 miles one way in the country, and we never would miss one night of revival. From the time we started what we call, when I was a teenager, CA's Christ Ambassadors, we drove every time there was a youth rally. We used to go down to Duncan at, at, at Budden, Joy's place. And some of you know what that is. A place for teenagers once a month to worship the Lord and to give an, have an experience with God. My mom and dad said God is priority. He will take precedence over everything else. And today we won't even miss Wednesday. We won't miss Wednesday night church for ball games. And I'm going to tell you, ball games are not eternal. I hope you still love me, but it's true. Our priorities need to be adjusted because Christmas is coming. And we need to be prepared for it. I hope you know I'm talking about the last days. All through Scripture, God has placed His blessing upon just, faithful, living it genuinely, men and women. And I want to tell you, if you decide to put God first... Satan and everything he can do will come against you. If you, if you think that, that living a genuine Christian life is for weak people, I dare you to become a strong Christian. 
Because you're going to be hit and, and shot at and you're going to be hit and Satan will depress you. He will demoralize you. Satan will attack every way he possibly can. But I want to tell you, according like I preached last Sunday, when Satan comes in like a flood, we raise up the standard of God's Word. And ladies and gentlemen, temptation instead of destroying us will make us stronger. That's the promise of God's grace and mercy in our lives. Wow. This year, how about, how about increasing your justness? Your being a just, just person. The scripture said in the Old Testament, Daniel, a prophet, was a just man. I want to ask us another question. Ask it yourself. How would I, how would I react? How would I respond if I were thrown into a den of lions? You know what I love? I love this thought. Um, Daniel was a powerful man. Hope you know the scripture. They threw him and the king didn't want to. His plan had gone awry and the people used it against him. And I trust you know the story. If you don't, find it and read it because it's powerful. This man, this man was a devout man. He was a just man. And the king got himself in a political bind and had to throw him in the den with lions. And the next morning, the king was the first one there to see if he was still alive. Boy, some, some of the drama in the Old, Old Testament's amazing. But I want to ask you a question. It's one thing to say, what would I do in a den of lions? But I, let me ask you this. What would it be like if you were thrown into a den full of Daniels? <laughs> wow. I've often said, you know, Paul the Apostle in the New Testament, I I don't have time to take you through his story. This man was a politician. He was educated in Gamaliel. This was the politician of his time. And he was evil. He took the law and tried to destroy Christians with it. He's on his way to imprison them and murder them. And God said, enough. I'm going to change you from Saul to Paul. And many times, Paul, that route righteous man that wasn't just devout he was just and every time he was put in prison he would win the prisoners to the Lord how would you like to be in prison chained to Paul how many of you think you'd get away with living for the devil very much longer wow I'm telling you God changes your life when you really know him The scripture says Daniel was innocent before God. Why? You know why? Because he'd been praying. He had been fasting. He had been preparing. And for my third point, do you know what prepared people do? Do you know how they prepare to live? Here's what it is. Thirdly, Stephen was waiting, longing with anticipation and expectation. Simeon was anticipating Christmas and the the coming of the Messiah. Simeon was waiting on the Christ at his first coming. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't picked up on it this morning, I'm preaching a message for you and I to be prepared, not only for the 25th of December this year, but I'm talking about the second coming of the Messiah, the Christmas that's in front of us. But watch this. 
It's interesting, the scripture we read it earlier and said, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon, because he was devout, because he was just, because he faithfully waited, the scripture said, the Spirit of God set upon him. And I just want to say thank you, God, for the grace of being Almighty God. You know what? Because God's no respecter of person. God said, when I give my heart to Him, He will fill me, and I will, He will indwell me with His Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's God's voice. That's God's power. That's God's direction. That's God saying His Word to you. That's God helping you in fighting your battles in the midst of temptation. It's keeping your mindset on things above and not on things below. There is so much to the Spirit. The grace of God Almighty. He sends His Spirit to direct us to protect us, to instruct us, to comfort us, to convict us, to keep us, to empower us. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be without the Holy Spirit fullness in 2019. We too often allow the push and the shove of this world and the vogue of values that are, that are losing, losing common sense. We let that limit our devotion. We let that limit our consecration. Let me bring you to the New Testament. I'll be closing. Joseph of Arimathea was a politician. He was involved in the elite. He was a member of the council. He was a descending, a voting negative member, if you will, to crucify Christ in the, in, in, in the Jews' leadership. Joseph of Arimathea was in the public eye, politician, a public servant. And the scripture says, Joseph of Arimathea was waiting for the kingdom of God. And it taking great courage. The scripture goes on and says, when they crucified the Lord and we're at Golgotha and all these folk were there to crucify the Lord, only one politician, only one person was willing to take the eye off of themselves and their position and their income and their glory and all their power and all that they thought was valuable in that day. Let me just stop and say, I want to tell you something. On the eternal day at the judgment, Washington, D.C. is going to amount to a very little. Do I want some of these young people of the Lord Terrace to grow up and, and be president? Yes. You know why? Because I'm trying to sow this book into your heart and your mind. We just, we, we allow this stuff. Here it is. Joseph of Arimathea taking great courage. Ask for the body of Christ. This is on Golgotha. This is at Calvary. Here's the reason. So that Jesus wouldn't be buried among thieves. That, it took courage for that man to go to Calvary and ask for that body. In danger of losing his life, in his position on the council, he approached Pilate, who could have had him beheaded with a wave of a hand, and said, I want the body of Jesus. For 2019, here we are. I want to challenge us to prepare because we become devout people. I want life and lip to match. I want walk and talk to be the same. How many of you want to live like that? I want to be devout. Divinely, 
determinately purposed. I want to be a just man. I want, I want to be known as somebody who d- tries to genuinely live it. Don't you look at me in perfection because you'll find none. But I will tell you this, I'm determined to try it. And by the help and the grace of God, I've made some strides. You might not like me 40 years ago. I'm, I, I, don't, I think I'm a better Christian than I used to be 40 years ago. I know I am. I want to be a person that's anticipating watching. And I want to be indwelt by the Spirit, anticipating the return of Christ. This coming of Christ that's just in front of us. Listen to this. It was all summed up in Titus. Chapter 2, verse 11 says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly. Righteously. And godly in this present age. That's the calling of Christmas for us this year. Be a devout person. Be a just person. Be anticipating it. Be filled with the Spirit because God's sending a second Christmas. Let me ask it like this. Can we increase our devotion? Can church take on a much greater priority rather than just if it's convenient or inconvenient? Can it take on a loyalty to say, God, you can count on me because I'm going to be marked among those who are the faithful? Can we become more just in how we live that example? I think a Christian speaks differently. I think a Christian lives differently. I think a Christian lives outwardly because of what values are internalized. Can we live with some positive anticipation when all the world is negative and it's all all dark? It's not for us. Let me make a statement. I've made it before. Do you know that all of the prophecies of God was not made to depress us and make us fearful? Do you know that God's prophecies, all the revelation was written so that the believer would be encouraged to know that when man finally blows this whole thing up, God's going to take care of all the believers. And that's not pie in the sky, ladies and gentlemen. That's my soul and my spirit and my body in the heavenly kingdom. And we're not the fools to believe it. Increase our devotion. Increase listening to the Spirit of God. We would be, as verse 13 says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. He promised He'd come one time, and He did. He's promised He'll come a second time, and He will. And you and I need to be prepared for it today. That's the message this morning. Thank you, God. God sent Christmas to Simeon. (laughs) And he said, I'm going to make it personal. And Simeon said, I've seen your salvation. I know my life purpose was for this. And I know that there was an eternal promise. He was prepared and God honored his faith. Let me end by saying God has promised us a second Christian. And I'm going to tell you, a second Christmas and that Christmas isn't too far in the future because ladies and gentlemen everything that he ever said about the latter day setting up people 
what Paul told Timothy that in the sanctuaries and the churches they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears you say what we want you to say you make us all feel good you make us all warm and fuzzy and pastor will pay you big salaries and we'll follow you like a pied piper that's what Paul said to Timothy would be in the last days that the laws would break down that the morals will come apart at the seams everything we see on the world scene today politicians won't have the answers there'll be economic woes the the prophecy said there'll be earthquakes in many places across the world that will increase greatly there will be storms a earth like a a woman uh, travailing in pain with birth that's the way the world would be ladies and gentlemen 2019 here we are let's prepare for the second Christmas of our bless his name bless his name